Chapter 9 of Freaks on the Fells Three Months Rustication Story 1 by R. M. Ballantyne This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Florence Short Story 1 Chapter 9 a grand excursion over the mountains. Little did Mr. Sudbury think what an excursion lay before him that day, when, in the pride of untried strength and spirits, he strode up the mountainside, with his dutiful family following like a tail behind him. There was a kind of narrow sheep path, up which they marched in single file, father first, Lucy next, with her gown prettily tucked up, George and Fred following, with large fishing baskets stuffed with edibles, Jackie next, light and active, but as yet quiescent, timorous Peter bringing up the rear. He also was laden, but not heavily. Mr. Sudbury carried rod and basket, for he had been told that there were large trout in the Lake of the Clouds. Ever and anon the party halted and turned round to wave hats and kerchiefs to Mrs. Sudbury, Tilly, and Mrs. Brown, who returned the salute with interest, until the white house appeared a mere speck in the valley below, and Mrs. Brown became so small that Jackie, for the first time in his life, regarded her as a contemptible little thing. At last a shoulder of the hill shut out the view of the valley, and they began to feel that they were in a deep solitude surrounded by wild mountain peaks. It is a fact there is something peculiarly invigorating in mountain air. What that something is, we are not prepared to say. Oxygen and ozone have undoubtedly something to do with it, but in what proportions we know not. Scientific men could give us a learned disquisition on the subject, no doubt. We therefore refer our readers to scientific men, and confine our observations to the simple statement of the fact that there is something extremely invigorating in mountain air. Every mountaineer knows it. Mr. Sudbury and family proved it that day beyond dispute, excepting, by the way, poor Peter, whose unfortunate body was not adapted for rude contact with the rough elements of this world. The whole party panted and became very warm as they toiled upwards, but instead of growing fatigued, they seemed to gather fresh strength and additional spirit at every step, always excepting Peter, of course. Soon a wild spirit came over them. On gaining a level patch of springy turf, Father gave a cheer and rushed madly, he knew not and cared not whither. Sons and daughters echoed the cheer, and followed his example. The sun burst forth at the moment, crisping the peaks, gorges, and clouds, which were all mingled together with golden fires. Each had started off without definite intention, and they were scattered far and wide in five minutes, but each formed the natural resolve to run to the nearest summit in order to devour more easily the view. Thus they all converged again, and met on a neighboring knoll that overtopped a terrific precipice which overhung a small lake. 
the lake of the clouds exclaimed lucy as she came up breathless and beaming impossible cried her father mcallister says it is on the other side of the ridge and we're not near the top yet where are peter and jacky i cannot see them said george and fred in a breath no more can i cried lucy no more could anybody except a hunter or an eagle for they were seated quietly among gray rocks and brown ferns which blended with their costumes so as to render them all but invisible the party on the knoll were however the reverse of invisible to jacky and his exhausted companion they stood out black as ink against the bright blue sky and were so sharply defined that jacky declared he could see the turn-up of lucy's nose the reader must not suppose that master jacky was exhausted like his slender companion a glance at his firm lip flushed cheek sturdy little limbs and bright eyes would have made that abundantly plain no jacky was in a peculiar frame of mind that was all he chose to sit by peter and as he never condescended to give a reason for his choice we cannot state one he appeared to be meditatively inclined that day perhaps he was engaged in the concoction of some excruciating piece of wickedness who knows suddenly jacky turned with a look of earnest gravity towards his companion who was a woebegone spectacle of exhaustion i say we'd better go on don't you think peter looked up languidly sighed heavily and laid his hand on the fishing basket full of sandwiches which constituted his burden it was small and light but to the poor boy it felt like a ton jacky's eyes became still more owlishly wide and his face graver than ever he had never seen him in this condition before indeed jacky's experience of life beyond the nursery being limited he had never seen any one in such a case before i say peter are you desperate blowed desperate sighed peter jacky paused and gazed at his companion for nearly a minute i say do you think you could walk if you tried oh yes with a groan and a smile come i'll try to push ahead now here give me the basket cried jacky starting up with sudden and tremendous energy and wrenching the basket out of peter's hand he did it with ease although the small clerk was twice the size of the imp peter remonstrated but in vain mrs brown a woman of powerful frame and strong mind could not turn jacky from his purpose it was not likely therefore that an amiable milk and water boy in a state of exhaustion could do it jacky swung the basket over his shoulder with an amount of exertion that made him stagger and commanding peter to follow marched up the hill with compressed lips and knitted brows it was an epoch in the mental development of jacky it was a new sensation to the child hitherto he had known nothing but the feeling of dependence up to this point he had been compelled by the force of circumstances to look up to every one and alas he had done so with a very bad grace he had never known what it was to help any one his mother had thoroughly spoiled him strange infatuation in the mother she had often blamed the boy for spoiling his toys but she had never blamed herself for spoiling the boy 
darling jacky don't ask the child to do anything for you he's too young yet so jacky was never asked to help anyone in any way except by mrs brown who did not ask but commanded and although she never rewarded obedience with the laurel either literally or figuratively she invariably punished disobedience with the palm little tilly always did everything she wanted done herself and could never do enough for jacky so that she afforded no opportunity for her brother to exercise amiable qualities thus was jacky trained to be a selfish little imp and to this training he superadded the natural wickedness of his own heart but now for the first time the tables were turned jacky felt that peter was dependent on him that he could not get on without him poor peter i'll help him he's a weak skinny chap and i'm as strong as a lion as an elephant as crocodile anything come on peter are you getting better now thus they went up the hill together ha there they are at last close under this mound why i do believe that jacky's carrying the basket mr sudbury was bereft of breath at this discovery so was every one else when the boy stumped up the hill and flung down the basket with an emphatic there his father turned to the small clerk how now sir did you bid jacky carry that please sir no sir whimpering but master jacky forced it out of my hands sir and insisted on carrying it he saw that i was very tired sir and so i am but i would not have asked him to carry it if i had not been ever so tired indeed i would not sir i am not displeased my boy said mr sudbury kindly patting him on the head i only wanted to know if he offered of course i did cried the imp stoutly with his arms akimbo and why not don't you see that the poor boy is dead beat and was i going to stand by and see him faint by his self all alone on the mountain certainly not and mr sudbury seized jacky and whirled him round till he was quite giddy and fell on the heather with a cheer and declared that he would not budge from that spot until they had lunched need we say that mr sudbury himself was the subject of a new sensation that day a sensation of a peculiarly hopeful nature as he gazed at his youngest son while that refined little creature crammed himself with sandwiches and gingerbread and besmeared his hands and visage with a pot of jam that had been packed away by his mother for her own darling's special use my poor lad you must not come any farther with us i had no idea you were so much fatigued remain here by the provisions and rest in the sunshine till we return so mr sudbury gave peter a plaid that had been carried up to serve as a tablecloth and told him to wrap well up in it lest he should catch cold they left him there on the knoll refreshed and happy and with a new feeling in his breast in regard to jacky whom up to that day he had regarded as an imp of the most hopelessly incorrigible description over the mountain and over the moor the sudburys wandered 
the ridge was gained and a new world of mountains glens gorges and peaks was discovered on the other side of it with the lake of the clouds lying like a bright diamond far below them they descended into this new world with a cheer a laugh or a cheer was their first method of conversation now their spirits as well as their bodies being so high not a house to be seen not a sign of man the untrodden wilderness cried mr sudbury robinson crusoe mungo park pooh shouted george hooray yelled jackie the whole party laughed again and down the slope they went at such a pace that it was a miracle they did not terminate their career in the lake with a poetic name at this point everyone was suddenly seized mr sudbury and george were seized with an irresistible desire to fish fred was seized with a burning desire to sketch lucy was seized with a passionate desire to gather wildflowers and jacky was seized with a furious desire to wet himself and wade with his shoes on he did it too and in the course of an hour tumbled into so many peat bogs and besmeared himself with so much coffee-coloured mud that his own mother would have failed to recognise him he was supremely happy so was his father at the very first cast he the father hooked a trout of half a pound weight and lost it too but that was nothing the next cast he caught one of nearly a pound george was equally successful fortune smiled before evening began to close both baskets were half full of splendid trout lucy's basket was quite full of botanical specimens fred's sketch was a success and jacky was as brown as a hottentot from head to foot they prepared to return home rejoicing haste was needful now a short cut round the shoulder of the ridge was recommended by george and taken it conducted them into a totally different gap from the one which led to their own valley if followed out this route would have led them to a spot ten miles distant from their highland home but they were in blissful ignorance of the fact all gaps and gorges looked much the same to them suddenly mr sudbury paused is this the way we came grave looks but no reply let us ascend this ridge and make sure that we are right they did so and made perfectly certain that they were wrong attempting to correct their mistake they wandered more hopelessly out of their way but it was not until the shades of night began to fall that mr sudbury with a cold perspiration on his brow expressed his serious belief that they were lost End of chapter nine